0: Welcome to First Up. It's Ramire. That's Friday, the 26th of August. Call Nathan Rariri aho. Coming up, the US targets ISIS positions in Syria. We're going to have the latest from Bevan Hurley in New York City. The rock climbing accident with a $500,000 hospital bill. I'm going to speak to the brother of a New Zealand woman who narrowly survived. Uh, He's going to talk about her recovery. Costco vows to pay staff more than a living wage. And Hamilton welcomes the ferret, Mighty Mike. The Queen of the Palace, yes folks, New Zealand Darts Masters is back, with a bang. I think we're all still in the pub and think we're colleagues and stuff like that, but you know, as you can see, it's a big sport and everyone loves it. And yeah, it's coming on leaps and bounds over the last 10 to 15 years. Ata Maria, welcome to uh, an exciting Friday, First Up Friday, Wake the Kids Wake the neighbours, let them know. Uh, kia ora, I'm Nathan and We're going to begin this morning in the United States where we are in New York City uh, with our correspondent, Mr Bevan Hurley. Kia ora, Bevan, how are you? Morning,
1: Nathan, doing well, thank
0: you. I'll talk to you about this uh, wiping out student loans thing which seems to have uh, either delighted or upset parts of America uh, depending on how kind their heart is. But let's have a look at this first at the USA. They've targeted Iranian-backed forces in Syria. So tell me, what's the latest there?
1: Yeah, Nathan, the US carried out its second airstrikes in 24 hours overnight, targeting enemy positions and rocket launches in northeast Syria following an attack on coalition bases earlier in the week. A U.S. official said a number of Iranian-backed militants had been killed in the strikes, which were launched from AC-130 gunships and helicopters. And they came in response to that rocket attack against two coalition bases housing U.S. troops in Syria on Wednesday, in which three U.S. service members were suffered minor injuries. Uh, the U.S. has blamed the attacks on groups linked to Iran's Islam, Islamic Revolution Guard Corps. And they're the latest in an ongoing back and forth between U.S. forces and these groups in Syria that has escalated quite dramatically. In recent weeks, um, the US has said it's not looking for a wider conflict with Iran, but vowed that it would respond to strikes on US forces in the region. And the commander of US forces in Syria, Major General John Brennan, said um, that they would aggressively respond by any and all means at their disposal. Uh, the US uh, has reduced its forces in the country in recent years, but still has around 900 troops there without the permission of the Syrian government. And they're there ostensibly to fight ISIS and to limit Iran's influence in the country.
0: Yeah. Uh, This was an interesting thing that I saw yesterday. So Joe Biden, President Joe Biden, has relieved $10,000, that's US money, in student debt for many former students. How many people benefit from this? So we're looking at um,
1: potentially 45 million Americans seeing their student loan debt reduced and in some cases eliminated under this long-awaited uh, forgiveness plan announced by Biden on Wednesday. Um, as you mentioned, Nathan, it's a historic but politically divisive move uh, that some could be- some believe could have repercussions in November's midterm elections. Um, fulfilling a campaign promise, Mr Biden, as you said, is erasing $10,000 in federal student loan debt for those with incomes below 125 grand a year. And it's seen as an unprecedented attempt to stem the tide of America's rapidly rising student debt, but of course it doesn't address the broader issue of the high-cost of college in the u.s um, now republicans quickly denounced the move calling it an insult to americans who hadn't attended college uh, many of whom will earn far less than the graduates who are benefiting from it and critics have also questioned whether biden has legal authority for the move and we're almost certain to see a challenge in the courts um but you know that democrats will be hoping that it, it further energizes their base going into these crucial
0: uh, november m- midterms nathan yeah, sure, there's someone. I would have got myself a doctor out if I had known I could have done that. Did it anyway. Would you like this corn husker made to look like Elvis? Would they do? Hey, um, sorry about that, everybody. That was a ter- terrible stereotype. Novak or Novaks Djokovic out of the US Open.
1: Yeah, we um, we heard from Mr. Djokovic this morning. Um, he tweeted news that he was not going to be making the trip to the US, and indeed. It was out of his hands because as an unvaccinated foreign um, national, he he is not allowed to gain entry. And of course, it's cost him um, the chance to to compete in next week's US Open when he would have been hoping to uh, win his 22nd Grand Slam uh, singles title. Um, Djokovic, of course, missed the Australian Open in January over his refusal to get vaccinated and ended up being detained and then deported during that protracted legal saga that cost him the chance of a fourth straight title there. He did go on to play in the French uh, Open where he lost in the quarterfinals to Rafael Nadal and at Wimbledon where he won the title. Um, but it is going to be very strange to see uh, a US Open without Djokovic or uh, Roger Federer. It'll be the first time since 1998 not to um, feature one of those two uh, all-time greats. Um, but as we talked about a few weeks ago, we are um, looking forward to seeing Serena in a swan song, and, and ticket sales uh, continue to be red hot, mate, so plenty of interest still.
0: It's like my playlist hasn't changed since 1998. That one as well. But I, well, I, I think the big story of the US Open will be the farewell of, of Serena Williams, right? That's, I mean, she's the greatest player ever. So, yeah, I guess that'll be the big sign-off. I, I would imagine even if Djokovic was there, still her final games would overshadow everything, I would think.
1: Yeah, 100%. I mean, it's going to be an absolute um, privilege
0: to see her you know, out on court one last time, for sure. Yeah, thank you very much. There is Bevan Hurley in New York City. I'll call it 11 past 5 and we'll just deal with it. Uh, here at First Up on RNZ National with me, Nathan Radariri, always keen for your feedback. Uh, just even a, a couple of things we, th- we thought about there. What do you, you make of the, you know, cancelling off that debt for people? Do, do you like it or not? because uh, there seems to be two sides in this. One is, I think it's good, the other one is, no, it's not fair had to pay stuff off. Other people should have to, too. 2101, or email us first up at rnz.co.nz. We'll go to Africa now. Sudan is getting a US ambassador, uh, and also uh, Germany offers uh, Benin back some of its cultural treasures. Joining me now from Ghana is Nabil Ahmed. Morena, Nabil.
2: Morena, uh, Nathan, how are you?
0: I'm really good, my friend. Tell me that we're going to begin with new from northern Ethiopia. So I see the World Food Programme says that the Tigray forces are looting fuel. Can you tell us about that?
2: Yes, uh, Nathan. We know that the United Nations uh, World Food Programme has actually said that the Tigrayan forces in northern Ethiopia have looted about a million litres of fuel uh, from its warehouses in Tigray's capital. Now, uh, we know that these, uh, this fuel was meant to be used to deliver aid to the people in that part of Ethiopia. But then uh, we know that for now, uh, the Forces have not responded to these accusations. Uh, and it comes amidst uh, fresh uh, uh, fighting that broke out just on Wednesday for the first time in several months. You know that there's been a lot of uh, conflict within uh, that region in, in Ethiopia for some months now. And there was a truce that was broken until uh, just Wednesday, um, the fighting started again. And international organisations like the UN and the African Union have called for calm and asked the two parties to restore the humanitarian tools in the Tigrayan region, uh, Nathan.
0: Thank you. Hey, um, and I see there the US is uh, going to send its first ambassador to Sudan in ages. How long has it been since they've had a US ambassador?
2: It's actually been 25 long years, uh, Nathan, and The restoration of an ambassador to Sudan comes as a welcoming news to the people. Uh, We know that uh, it removed um, Sudan from the list of countries that sponsored terrorism uh, two years ago. And you know that there's been a lot of conflict in that part of Africa. And now this new ambassador that's going to uh, Sudan has actually expressed um, a lot of excitement about going to that part of Africa and is looking forward to supporting the Sudanese people to transition to democracy. Now, we know that in 1997, uh, U.S. downgraded representation in Sudan uh, from ambassador to the level of charge affairs and imposed economic sanctions on that country.
0: Uh, now, I'm, I'm hopefully, is it Benin or Benin? I want to try and pronounce it right. Benin. 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 Okay, there we go. G- so yes. Germany, they're signing this deal to return uh, Nigeria's Benin bronzers. What, what's all this about?
2: Yes, you know that a lot of um, artifacts from Africa have been in Europe for a very long time after it was looted. And now Germany has signed this deal with Nigeria to return these bronzes, and it's among Africa's most culturally significant artifacts that were looted in the 19th century. Now, this particular deal was booked on Thursday between the Foundation of uh, Prussian Cultural Heritage and Nigeria's National uh, Commission for Museums and Monuments, And uh, we understand that about uh, some 512 objects, which ended up in uh, Berlin in the aftermath of the uh, 1897 looting, will be returned to the Benin region in Nigeria. So, um, I mean, it's something that some other European countries have tried doing. France, for instance, also tried uh, returning some of its artifacts to Africa. And we know that this one is in in the right direction later.
0: And we'll go to South Africa now, into KwaZulu-Natal, and I, I see that there's a, a new Zulu, <laughs> uh, there's a new Zulu king, and that the children are going to wear something special for him to school.
2: Indeed. Um, people, I mean, the uh, students in um, KwaZulu-Natal province uh, have been asked to wear the traditional clothes to school from next Tuesday. Uh, it is to honour the new Zulu king. Uh, we know that teachers and other school employees have also been asked to wear the traditional attire. Now, you'll be wondering what's so special about the traditional attire. Now, you know that Zulu culture, uh, the traditional attire is very colorful and it's beadwork work and also has animal skins. So it's very, very unique. And from next Tuesday, students are to abandon the official school uniforms and wear this special, I mean, uh, traditional clothing to school. And... It's been met with a lot of
0: excitement, Nisa. Good stuff. uh, Nabil, thank you very much. It's always good to uh, catch up with our friend Nabil Ahmed there, who's in Ghana. It is a quarter past five. New research from the University of Queensland has found that some women struggling to access abortions are taking dangerous, unregulated medication. Now, while abortion is legal in Queensland, researchers say there are limited and confusing pathways to getting the procedure. The ABC's Catherine Gregory reports.
3: Abortion was decriminalised in Queensland in 2018. Women there can now legally get a pregnancy termination at up to 22 weeks. And beyond that, if more than one doctor approves it. Despite that, though, women are still struggling to access those services and the effects are disturbing.
4: Clients were feeling frustrated and depressed and disclosing that they were reports of like self-harm and accessing black market pills.
3: Marianne Cletus is a researcher from the University of Queensland School of Public Health and she says those pills help induce abortions or miscarriages at home.
4: And because they're done on the black market, they're untested and they're not safe.
3: She helped conduct a study of almost 2,000 unidentified client records collected by Pregnancy Counselling Service Children by Choice between December 2018 and June 2020. It found too many women wanting to terminate their pregnancy were missing out.
4: The main barriers that we found were affordability, interpersonal violence, stigma and a lack of education.
3: Why is there a problem in some women being able to afford the abortion?
4: So what we found is that access was not free. It, was, it came with a charge or financial cost, whether it was medical expenses that was incurred by health consumers or just transportation and logistic costs to do with that. So these were um, exacerbated in, in situations where clients did not have access to Local service providers.
3: The study found 43% of the women also reported exposure to family or intimate partner violence, including reproductive coercion and abuse, and they were sometimes forced to continue with the pregnancy. Adjunct Professor Angela Taft is with the Judith Lumley Centre of Mother, Infant and Family at La Trobe University. She's not at all surprised by this research.
4: Well, one of the things that's really concerned me for a long time and a lot of my colleagues who work in this area is that we have a lot of public hospitals who are um, that have been tended out by government and are then tended to organisations who then refuse to do sterilisations, vasectomies, abortions. There's a number of hospitals that are religiously Um, affiliated, which have public funds, and they are not doing what is actually an incredibly important and necessary operation. And so it reduces women's choices. If they try and get access at at a public hospital and are refused, then it's always time critical. The further on it gets, the more complicated and difficult the surgery is.
3: Dale Kelleher is the CEO of Children by Choice. She's concerned by the finding that too many women are being seen by unsupportive healthcare workers who give incorrect or misleading advice on terminations, sometimes even refusing to do them.
5: So in the legislation from 2018, there was a conscientious objection clause in there, which basically tries to balance the rights of a woman or pregnant person seeking an abortion as well as the rights of a practitioner who doesn't want to provide abortion to anybody. And part of that conscientious objection clause is to actually refer on to a health practitioner that will be able to provide an abortion. But what we're finding is that some professionals, health professionals, GPs, um, even hospital staff are not meeting their obligations and are simply refusing care to people, which you can imagine the impacts that that has. Can you explain a little bit about those impacts? Yeah, so look, recently we've had some of our clients who have actually had so much obstruction that it's pushed their gestation to a limit where they actually are no longer able to seek an abortion.
0: Ocean. That's Dale Callagher from Children by Choice, ending that report from the ABC's Catherine Gregory. It's 20 minutes past five, and Nathan Rarity, thanks for joining us here at First Up on RNZ National. So, coming up on the show, we're going to talk about Costco, which helped uh, welcome the Prime Minister yesterday, vowed to pay a living wage, and I think maybe the Minister of Fruit and Veg might have been around, I'm not sure. Uh, the fruit of the week comes up, and three after three years' absence. The Darts Masters is back with a bang in Hamilton. Wait for that one. I've
6: got a lovely bunch of there they are, standing in row.
2: Big ones, small ones,
0: It's that time of the week, everybody. It's Friday's check in with the Minister of Fruit and Veggies, Glenn Forsyth. Morena, Glenn, how are you?
7: Yeah, good buddy. How are you, sir?
0: I'm really good. And uh, I see it wasn't just the uh, there was the minister and the prime minister <laughs> hanging out together yesterday in a giant store in West Auckland. Tell us, you had a look around uh, the Costco store. It's not quite open yet. I know that you'd, you you wanted to have a look around the fruit, fruit and veggie sec- section. It's only weeks away from opening. Tell us about it.
7: Yeah, yeah, I had an invite yesterday to walk through the new Costco store, and it's my first time actually in one. Have you ever visited one yourself, Nathan?
0: Uh, yes, and we used to have them in, in Calgary, but a, a similar one called Canadian Tire that was like that, but Costco, way bigger and way fun.
7: Yeah, I, I mean, it's true that the floor area is about the size of two football fields, but the whole layout of it didn't feel intimidating at all. Maybe if you dawdle, I mean, it would probably be a two-hour shop. However, the aisles, Tire Centre Pharmacy, I air testing stations and the and the middle console, so to speak, is very well laid out indeed. You, you can feel the perimeter of the building when inside, and that makes it comfortable. But it was the produce section, section we, we were interested in, and that began from about the 22 down the left footy paddock to the tri-line, amongst all the other yummy food sections like butchery, deli, and bakery. But there's no doubt about it. It's, it's bulk buying, and units are big, like three kilo boxes of large tomatoes on display. We saw six pack of capsicums and bucket loads of berries. I mean, pretty much in buckets. Nathan, already ready for your lovely children to eat. So, yeah.
4: Very
0: exciting. Yes, I, uh, we sent our reporter Tom along. We're going to hear from him later in the show. He was, uh, I think, it was a berry juice or something that he said, which he just absolutely loved. But look, let's talk about something else. Now, you've been um, stalking the country's most committed silverbeet grower. Who's this?
7: Oh, fantastic. Uh, Vegetables. We've got to feel sorry for the South Island this week. The Dunedin market simply said greens are holding firm and high pricing with the wretched weather that Canterbury and Nelson got walked with, whereas in the North Island, celery, broccoli and cauliflower are still in a steady supply. Telegraph, cucumbers, living herbs and mushrooms are also in a fair supply for this time of year. We hear again this week, Australia's supply of vegetables improving, like their lettuce. But we mention this as we're getting more of their beans and courgettes coming across. Now, beware of sea freight courgettes, though, as opposed to e-freight ones, because the sea freight ones won't last in your fridge at all. Now, silverbeet, we talked with the lovely Rodney Ng of Patamahaui this week, third generation silverbeet grower. It is, it is his main crop and he grows it all year, and he does a magnificent job. He names it Charlie's silverbeet on the wrapping after his dad, and it's a great substitute for spinach in some dishes when spinach is short, like now. And Rodney steams it or pan-fries it with a little butter or oyster sauce and some garlic. But, yeah, what a, what a gentleman, and so committed to silverbeet he is. That was yeah. a classic.
0: That's good. You don't want to be half committed to silverbeet.
7: Hey, um, what's, the, uh, what's big on the fruit front? Uh, fruit. Speaking of Aussie supply, you may notice two more more of their strawberries are coming over now at kinder prices. Your four go-to New Zealand products this weekend are naval oranges, green kiwi fruit, avocados, and lemons. Some New Zealand nugget mandarins have started, but they can be a challenge to peel. And we have a much nicer fruit of the week this week. Oh, hi, hi, What What's what's your fruit of the week? <laughs> We're going to go with Australian four mandarins. Woo. Yeah, now I prefer to eat them straight from the crisper drawer of the refrigerator, but they are certainly selling like hotcakes at the moment. We have a foras now through to December, so we have different varieties for most of the year. TNG Fresh New Zealand, they invested in this variety in Kiri Kiri themselves in 2018, and this season they expect to harvest 150 tonnes. I mean, that's a drop in the ocean, but by 2025... That will be 500 tonnes of these of these mandarins. Now, for mandarins, they have a rich orange colour, they're sweet, and you'd be unlucky to crunch on a pit. They're super convenient. Uh, they're on an on-the-go snack, and they've many health benefits. So, a, a great run for your kids there too, and and throw the skins in the back seat.
0: Good on you, Minister. It was good to see you Thank and you the buddy. Minister hanging out with the other Minister. Good on you. There he is, Glenn, Glenn Forsyth, the Minister of Fruit and Veggies.
3: Like sands
6: through the hourglass, so are the days of our lives. Ah, uh, this is the day of
0: our life. We call the 26th of October. We've called this um, the 26th of October for ages, and we have since 1995. When I said October, because I've still got COVID brain. It's August.
3: You know, me lo mejor. <laughs> in
0: 1995 the movie desperado came out it's always in my top five it goes in and out uh, this was the very first time you got to see antonio banderas and selma hayek on the stage and uh, on the film and you've never felt so ugly watching something anyway but this is him singing this beautiful. Also, uh, having a birthday today, a couple of uh, movie stars. There's Chris Pine and also Macaulay Culkin. You might know him better as Kevin McAllister uh, from Home and Uh On this day in 1682, Edmund Halley looked through a telescope and went, that comet? That's called Halley's Comet. That's what it's called. And uh, well done to him. Well, on this day in 1866, uh, the telegraph line was laid across the Cook Strait. So it was basically just a big copper cable. They tried a couple of times Uh, There was a bit of disasters at sea, what have you, but eventually they got it across, so it left from Whites Bay in north of Blenheim there and went over to Lyle Bay in Wellington. Uh, And on this day in 1959, the British Motor Corporation introduced the Morris Mini Miner, which of course made me think, what's the record for the amount of people inside a Mini Miner? 27 apparently crammed into the classic model, but the new model that came out later on they They've put in there but the the best fact I found when I was looking at that was I didn't realise this before Uh, the fastest Mini ever driven was by Guy Griffith and Gary Orton of Nelson, New Zealand uh, who drove at Salt Flats there at an average speed on their two runs of 267 kilometres per hour and that everybody is what happened on this day the 26th of October, September or August as we correctly call it now trying to say you're trying to say let's get down to business it's business time. It's business it's business time joining us now from our business team is Mr. Giles Beckford Kira Giles More energy and Nathan uh so directors feel they're not being directors feel they're not being paid enough
6: <laughs> you Sorry. had uh, you had a double take there didn't you and that wasn't a COVID brain <laughs> <No>. <laughs> film These directors are, these are directors of of companies, but also of you know organizations. It's a study done by the Institute of Directors. They do it every year. Huh. It they've they've that, found this that directors aren't being paid enough. Well, apparently enough. it seems that uh, you know their pay rise over the past year was just three point one percent. Now they say you know that's that's just not even keeping pace with inflation. So the average paid sorry the med- the median pay i should say which is the middle of the range went from 50,000 a year to 51,529 now you might say gosh that doesn't sound much until i tell you that the survey shows that on average they're working 111 hours a year well i hope they're not quite quitting <laughs> that's right so that's an hourly rate of $463 <laughs> Uh, and you've got to say, yeah, my, my heart goes out to them mm. if they're finding it that tough. Yes, it is a big job actually running uh, a company or an organization, but you'd have slightly more uh, sympathy for them about not keeping up with the rate of inflation or even keeping up with the average rate of wage increases you know, if they weren't doing only 111 hours a year. Uh, as work, so there it goes uh, on that one mm, I to, well, I have to say, yeah, good news to hear Costco is saying they 're going to pay above the living wage, and, yes, and so they should a company a company that can turn over billions and billions of dollars a year can afford to pay good, yeah, you know what they 're not going to have though they 're not going to
0: have in New Zealand the five tier wedding cake made out of cheese. Uh, which I was really hoping they would bring to New Zealand as part oh. of their, their Costco. It's a big seller in the States. There, there are some
6: things that just break your heart, aren't there? Yeah, you do. You don't, mean,
0: want the, you don't want the bottom layer to be like a brie or anything
6: soft because that thing's going to lean and fall over. That's right. So you'd go for something like a Howdah or an Edom or something like that? Oh, yes. You? Yes, I would, yeah. Yeah, yeah something naturally that you would. <laughs> I have to say, let, let's be honest, all your in Auckland uh, gloating about Costco and the like, it actually falls on pretty stony ground for the rest of the country. Um, You know, Costco is going to be one store in Auckland. Uh, It may get to Christchurch and Wellington over the next few years, but there'll be mini Costco's, Costcoettes. And anybody thinking that Costco is going to necessarily challenge the duopoly from uh, supermarkets, uh, you know, foodstuffs and Woolies... um, I'm sorry. It's not going to happen. Speaking of, f- of supermarkets, let me just throw in um, my, my heart did a bit of a flutter. Woolworths, actually, their earnings from Countdown and their other operations here, they actually fell last year. Oh. You know how we've been told that they're making millions of dollars of profits uh, extra uh, you know, Every each day. day, each year? Yeah. Uh, but the numbers coming out from Woolworths, Australia, their parents, the breakdown for New Zealand showed that their net earnings, that's the ones before tax, Uh, for the past 12 months fell uh, about uh, 3% to uh, $316 million. Mm. And their margins also contracted. Now, you know, they put it down to supply chain, uh, COVID, and uh, the rest of it, but, you know, Perhaps uh, some of the venom that's been directed at the supermarkets might need, just need to be thought about again. Yeah, it's only 316. Thank you very
0: much, uh, Giles. Giles Beckford, there. you can hear more from the business team. Our morning report this morning at 1027. To the uh, money markets now, your Kiwi dollar is worth 62.13 US cents. The euro is worth more today, so it's back to being called football instead of soccer. 62.35 euro cents, 89.26 Australian cents, 52.63 British pence, 4.25 yuan, 85.01 Japanese yen. And if you're heading to Samoa, one New Zealand dollar is worth 1.68 Samoan tala. It's Barry Guy who's with us as our, our magnificent tall men are out on the court playing New Zealand's hated basketball rival Saudi Arabia. Have you got a got a got a score update for us, Barry? Uh,
8: halftime it was 55-25. Saudi Arabia uh, um, uh, had a bit of fight back actually, and they'd closed it to about I don't know 12 or something. of The last time I saw, but um, Pirro wasn't too happy, so he got them back off court, and I think. Oh. I'd be scared of it. Not, so. not he'd
0: just give me the grumpy eye, and I'd just do push-ups. I wouldn't know what I'd want to do there. This period. is
8: a World Cup qualifying. Uh, New Zealand's top of the group. Uh, I think if they finish sort of a third in their group, they'll get to next year's World Cup in the Philippines. Australia's top of the other group with China. I think so. It's looking pretty good. They're in Auckland on Monday playing nice. Jordan. Oh very good so it's 6449 um, currently is the score the 49
0: 6449 thank you yeah. very much. Let's go us. All right. do we'll um, also? we'll get to the the rugby as well but um the the cricket from, from earlier on this
8: week. Uh yeah, I was really impressed with that result on Monday. Uh the third one day are against the West Indies. Uh they um West Indies put up uh, 300 biggest score of the uh, series and then the Black Caps um had a few wobbles but they got there. They showed that sort of uh Grit, Tom Latham, the captain um, or standing captain. You know there were good knocks of half centuries for you know, a lot of them, and again they just showed uh, that quality of uh, of sticking around and get through to that uh, total. I, I always think back to the twenty nineteen World Cup when New Zealand had that uh, great run. Uh, captain Kane Williamson said, or oh, Um, in limited overs just when you're batting just make sure you're at the end of each over you're still in the game Mm. you know because I think a lot of people think we're getting too far behind and run rate chase and that sort of thing Um, and that has stuck with me he just said you know the run run rate may go up but as long as you're still in the game after each over you know you've got a chance and and they did that so I was particularly pleased uh, for the black caps and I think if they can cope with uh, whatever conditions Cairns will throw up for the Chapel Hadley uh, next month, uh, I don't know too much about the Cairns Wicket, but you know they might have a good chance of actually winning, I think, a series for the first time in Australia. So uh, yeah. um, I'm quite uh, happy with how things are looking there. Uh, also, just want to say that the uh, Toihi, the Women's uh, National Basketball League playoffs, uh, start tonight in Nelson. The uh, Northern Kahu are the favourites there. They were the top qualifier. They're playing the Mid-North Fie in the first semi-final tonight. And uh, from what I can gather, that's been a real success, that uh, professional league for the uh, women's basketball this year. And um, a lot of overseas players are playing in there. And it can only do uh, great things for... Uh, the team as well, um, yeah. and I suppose if we look at the, uh, the well, the, the women's rugby, there were I think eight changes for the yeah. Black Ferns. Um, you know, I can't see them having too many problems, but a good test for them there as they progress. Totally towards different the World midfield, Cup. yeah. Um, but you know, I think there's a quite quite a bit of depth there. Um, but I suppose Ian Foster, if a team saves your job for you one week. You might as well keep faith in them, uh, and so he, you know, he's stuck with the same side that uh, they beat South Africa for. You know, um, to, and I'm uh, sure
0: I saw a stat yesterday. It's something like that's the first time in about 50 tests that the All Blacks have chosen the same lineup two weeks in a row. The same, the same starting lineup, which wow. were two games in a row. It's very interesting. Yeah, so, Like you say, that is some good faith. Thank you very much, Barry. There is Barry Guy, and of course the other sports team uh, will have stuff for you right across the day. 21 to 6, we're heading uh, towards uh, Morning Report. Before we get there, here on First Up, you're going to hear a report from Costco. Uh, They welcome the Prime Minister and our reporter, Tom Taylor. And also, too, uh, the ferret, Mighty Mike, the Iceman, Uh, they've been away, but they are back. The New Zealand Darts Masters is back with a bang in Hamilton tonight and tomorrow night it will be fun. You'll hear about that. The professionals of Morning Reporter up after six and with a quick preview of the flagship news program. It is Corin Dan. ora, how are you? Ah Tamalia, good morning everybody. Yes, we'll have Winston Peters in just after seven. This is in relation to the apology he received from the speaker's office yesterday. Uh, well, from Trevor Mallard, possibly, or from the new speaker. It's a little bit unclear, but nevertheless, this is over the trespass notice that was issued against him and then withdrawn. So we'll get into that issue a little bit. We'll have a lot more, too, on the New Zealand soldier, obviously the off-duty soldier who was killed uh, in Ukraine. We'll talk to former soldier uh, Timby Powell, who's over there helping out with humanitarian aid. Uh, we'll also uh, talk to another New Zealander who's working, uh, giving aid uh, on the front lines in Ukraine as well the all blacks will preview that uh, and we'll have our political panel don't miss that claire trevette and jane patterson uh, so that's the new zealand heralds political editor and rnz political editor just before nine beautiful thank you very much corin well uh, look after traveling to yosemite uh, national park there in the usa anna parsons had a huge 12 meter fall while rock climbing on the first of august she broke nearly every bone in her body including her neck, spine, pelvis, ribs and her feet. The 21-year-old's left foot had to be amputated and with the astronomical medical bills that she's been left with in the United States, Anna now has to pay around $1 million for treatment. Her family started to give a little page, which so far has raised over half of the $500,000 goal to cover treatment and rehab. I got to speak with Anna's brother Ben, uh, who's in Melbourne and asked how she's doing.
9: Yeah, she's going pretty good given the circumstances. She's doing sort of PT every day where they try and strengthen the muscles that she can move without hurting, yeah. like her upper body and um, arms and things. And I think her wound for her amputated legs healing up quite well. Sometimes she gets a bit of pain there, but um, it's healing up. And then obviously all the other fractures and things are healing as well. I think it takes eight to 12 weeks for all of those bones to fully heal.
0: Where she's i mean be, it's it's amazing that that's
9: three weeks in
0: at the moment yeah yeah it's it's amazing Ben that that's even a possibility I mean just some just it's it's shocking to read it and think how does anyone even survive this here as well have you had a chance to go up to see her
9: yeah it is amazing and no you know no brain damage or anything is yeah. it, um you know a miracle I haven't had a chance to yet but I've been given leave at the end of next week' some work so I'll be either heading to the US or New Zealand, depending on where she is at the time.
0: Have have your parents been to see her? Were they with her?
9: Yeah, uh, so mum and dad went, I don't know, the first flight out, I guess, a day or two after the, I think the accident happened on like a Monday, Tuesday, and they were there on the Thursday kind of thing. My dad has since come back to go to work back in Nelson, Mm. and uh, mum's still over there with Anna at the moment.
0: Oh, yeah. What a heartbreaking thing. I mean, look, you, to get through this, I mean, you do seem like a really positive family. I know in earlier media reports, everyone seemed, you know, doing their best to try and take a shocking thing in their stride. Um, yeah. what, what, where do you find that strength in you? Where, where does that personality come from out of you? Of it's It's a fantastic thing to see.
9: My family's all Christian, so we, I guess, find our strength in Christ, first and foremost. And then um, I think, you know, just in general as a family, we're always, you know, try to see the glass half full kind of thing and positive attitude. So I think the combination of those things really helps. And then I think we draw on the support of other people, um, you know, whether it's friends or extended family. I think that all of that goes together to make, you know, build resilience within our immediate family. Yeah. And that you know we've, we've been through a few things as a family, so I think that's probably where it comes from.
0: No, it's well. I mean, it's great you've got each other's love to help there too. So I mean, look, you know, obviously this happens in the United States. We, we all know from the outside looking in that America has horrendous medical bills, which is what you've got there. I mean, has there been any clarification about the insurance available or payout available?
9: Anna's insurance will pay up to two hundred fifty thousand US dollars towards her medical bills, which obviously exceed that. So, yeah, I think she's depending on a few things. I've applied for a grant to cover the sort of hospital bills, like the daily $4,000 a day is the cost to be in the hospital there. Wow. And then I think the surgeries were $180,000 each, and there was two of those, might be more. But those two won't be covered because they were contracted to people that work outside of the hospital. So the insurance could potentially cover those well one of those surgeries plus a bit more. Um and they've applied for a grant to cover the daily hospital charge plus a spinal fusion surgery, which I think apparently adds up to five hundred thousand US dollars. Oh.
0: My, and and I, know yeah. you've, I know you've started a Give A Little page. I, mm. I, I guess the things I want to ask there is, is how's the fundraising going? But also, too, for our First Up listeners, how how can they help? Like, where, where can we find this page to try and help?
9: Yeah, um, so my older sister, Jeff, set up the Give A Little. Um, and, yeah, it's doing really well at the moment. Um, we've been overwhelmed with all the support, both the money and the messages. People can write in a message when they donate. Uh, people, you know, donating from the US and France and um, all sorts of countries around the world Australia New Zealand and yeah if you can just Google Anna Parsons and you should be able to find it
0: so or otherwise we just go Anna Parsons and I guess give a little one to Google and that'll help help, help
9: yeah, us out. yeah 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 Anna Parsons give a little that'll come up as well yep yeah. and yeah we're really you know any supports appreciated as
0: Ben Parsons. It is uh, and a half to 6. West Auckland's soon-to-be-open superstore Costco was unveiled to media yesterday at a tour attended by Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern. Costco Wholesale Managing Director Patrick Noon was kept busy showing the PM around, but he took the time to chat with RNZ, revealing that all 300-odd staff members at the store will be paid above the living wage. Tom Taylor has more.
10: He can't say exactly when Costco will open its doors to customers, but Managing Director Patrick Noon was more than happy to open them for a visit from the Prime Minister yesterday. Jacinda Ardern met with staff and suppliers among aisles of super-sized grocery items, including some rare sights for a New Zealand audience, bourbon-infused instant coffee, jumbo jars of peanut butter pretzels, and three packs of Cabbage Patch Kids toys. These items didn't yet have prices set in stone, but Mr Noon did make a guarantee about his staff's income.
11: We pay above the living wage right now, so our staff should be paid remunerated well. Uh, we have a constant increase in salary based on years of service, so we like to reward our, our employees, and we want our employees to make a career with us. You know, there's a lot of warehouse managers around the world that started off pushing shopping carts after school, and so we want to continue that process where we train um, Uh, upskill and and grow our our employee base to help grow our business in the future.
10: Mr Noon said the hypermarket also had good news for New Zealand's suppliers, giving some small businesses a boost into the international market.
11: Today you saw 20 or 30 suppliers out there that we're buying from here. Most of them we're also buying for the Australian market, and then there's uh, other doors that will open in Asia and North America as well.
10: Much of the interest in Costco has been based on the hope that it will disrupt New Zealand's current supermarket duopoly of foodstuffs and Woolworths, which control much of the wholesale supply chain. Mr Noon says bringing more competition into the market will be a win for customers, while Costco's suppliers will be free to sell to whomever they like.
11: As long as is a great quality item, we'll sell it for a great value. Um, our vendors are free to sell that to other people if they want, and we're free to sell anything to other uh retailers as well we don't have a prohibition on that
10: while customers waited for the superstore to open a self-service costco petrol station across the road was initially touted as a game changer with much cheaper fuel than competitors however more recently some customers have complained that the margin has shrunk yesterday costco's 91 octane was 246 cents a litre just three cents cheaper than pack-and-save Westgate, according to fuel price app Gaspy.
11: We're always aiming to show a, a discount and a value. It may be that the other competitors have come down in price rather than us going up.
10: One of Costco's many fresh faces is meat supervisor John Stanley, who's in just his first week of work.
9: I had training in Melbourne for two weeks, so I went to Docklands uh, for a week and uh, also went to Epping Costco. I got back on Saturday and it's been really enjoyable. It's been an experience.
10: New Zealand company Everblue's co-founder James Hart says he's thrilled to be supplying Costco with an exclusive twin-pack shampoo and conditioner.
0: We're obviously a pretty small start-up, so, um, so to get our foot in the door with Costco is pretty um, pretty big for us. So, um, yeah, if we can get a, you know, get some good sales
10: and then get a few more orders from them, we'd be uh, pretty happy with that. With the store still awaiting Auckland Council's sign-off on traffic management plans, no date has yet been set for the opening of Costco. However, construction is due to finish within the next few weeks.
0: After a three-year absence, the New Zealand Darts Masters is back. With a bang and some bullseyes, it means that some of the world's best dart throwers will be showing off their stuff in Hamilton this weekend. Now, if you've ever watched the darts, I mean, you know, it's, its action is pretty much as much well probably more so in the crowd than on the stage and with thousands of tickets already sold for tonight's and tomorrow's competition it's bound to be a jolly affair in Hamilton City uh, Reporter Leonard Powell took the trip down the new Waikato Expressway to meet the players and find out what makes darts players tick
12: They've come from far and wide Belgium, Australia, the Netherlands, Wales, England and of course Opotiki highly skilled athletes whose abilities come not from endless gym workouts but from their immense powers of concentration and what many new zealanders might not realize is that they're famous really famous 12 segment double 13 and michael
1: smith dominates a madison Madison square Square garden
12: That was the crowd when English superstar Michael Bully Boy Smith threw the winning dart to take out the US Masters earlier this year. The world number four says there are lots of misconceptions about
0: darts. I think we're all still in the pub and think we're alcoholics and stuff like that, but as you can see, it's a a big sport and everyone loves it. And yeah, it's, it's coming on leaps and bounds
12: over the last 10 to 15 years. One man you may find in the pub, however, is Russ Bray, the famous darts referee whose gravelly voice has become synonymous with the sport. Like many of the players who have made their way to Aotearoa, the man they call the voice started out as a tradie, but the 65 year old says darts has allowed him to live his dream. My profession is a scaff. I was a scaffolder, I ain't scaffolded in 20 odd years and I wouldn't want to do it now. Russ, like many of the players, has an impressive array of tattoos covering both arms. He says they're mementos from his high-flying career. A lot of them from all over the world. I've got one from Vegas, I've got one from the Philippines, I've got one from Thailand, I've got one from Australia. I've not had one done in New Zealand yet. I've
9: got one from Spain, you know what I mean? So it depends on Turkey, so it depends where I go.
12: Another giant in the darts world is Johnny the Ferret Clayton, who kindly took a break from his cup of tea to speak with me. A former rugby player, darts gave Clayton a second shot at being a professional sportsperson and it's clear the Welshman loves what he does.
6: Yeah, like I said, I broke my, my, my leg playing rugby so basically I needed, I'm i sport mad. Bad. I wasn't very good in golf but I was a bit better in, in, in darts so basically that was my story. That's what I wanted to do after, after playing rugby. I picked up darts and it came good for me.
12: As for tournament preparation, the ferret says he's always on the lookout for his favourite chicken restaurant. I like to chill. And if there's a Nando's about, because I love my Nando's, I usually get that Nando's, but I like to chill, relax and then get myself ready. Some of the other big names in Hamilton this weekend include Mighty Michael Van Gerwen and world number one Gerwen the Iceman Price. But six New Zealanders are also vying for the title including all Portuguese Ben Big Rig Rob the country's top-ranked player.
11: I just kind of fell into darts the old the old man played darts and I kind of just fell into it really. Yeah, now here we are.
12: The 33-year-old is a plumber and drain layer by day but has aspirations to join the darts circuit full-time. He says rubbing shoulders with the darts A-listers is always fun.
11: Yeah, it's cool, bro. It's kind of like, gives you a taste of what life could be if, if, you know, all the chips align and and go the way I want them to. Um, I've done it a few times now. I'm quite familiar in the room. I kind of, yeah, when I first walked in here, I was kind of overwhelmed, but um, now I feel a lot more comfortable and casual in the room type of thing.
12: You could be forgiven for thinking it, but it's not all men making it in the darts world. Fallon Sherrick from Milton Keys in England is holding it down for the women.
5: The best thing about it is obviously beating the men and you know it's it's always great you know because you know you're always going to get a good game. Um, I can't see any negatives from it apart from losing. (laughs) I don't like losing.
12: She too is keen to challenge some of the misconceptions people have about darts.
5: I think they think that everyone drinks and you know they're all big and all that and I'm like I'm like totally anti that you know I'm skinny I don't really drink like I don't I just go play my darts and I enjoy it and I think people just associate dart players to be like a pub sport but it's actually a really fun sport if people got to know you know and play it.
12: English legend James the Machine Wade agrees. People
0: think it's a life of Riley and they think it's easy and they think it's just turn up and do your thing but there's a lot of things that go in between it it's hard work it's dedication and you miss out on a lot of stuff
12: this edition of the new zealand darts masters involves 16 competitors in a knockout contest with a $200,000 prize pull up for grabs it's been a long time coming with many tickets sold before the pandemic hamilton mayor paula southgate helped open proceedings and was chomping at the bit to have the spotlight on her city
10: It's super exciting, we've been through a really strange three years since they last came, so this is a real uplift for our community, plus it shows that Hamilton can host the best events.
12: As a complete darts novice myself, I had a burning question I wanted to put to some of the world's best dart players. A bullseye is underrated or overrated?
5: Underrated, because it's harder to hit than a trouble 20.
0: I would personally say it's probably overrated because when they're going it's not that hard to get and there's plenty of other routes and options Underrated, best shot of the dartboard Oh, that's a good question
12: Um, A bullseye, underrated It's set to be all go the next two nights in Hamilton and just in case you forgot what show you're listening to Bryce Bray has you covered
0: First up, voice of the Nathan I've made it I've made it, there we are uh, Thank you very much for your patronage uh, this week here at First Up uh, Some feedback from the audience Nathan you can buy a cheese wedding cake from cuppity Cheese as far as I know, definitely one of the cheese companies that offer them, happy October <laughs> Thank you very much And some very kind words coming from Linda Burgess as well Thank you, yes, um, loving being back at work again Don't get COVID everyone It's really It's really boring It's really bad uh, look, I'll leave you with the great darts tunes that's going on. The Morning Report crew have got their arms in the air and they're chanting, hey, hey, hey. Susie and Corinne are up with you from all of us here at First Up. Have a wonderful day. We're on the podcast all weekend and back in your ears live on Monday.